The following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Radiolawtalk.com with your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now, Radiolawtalk.com. Welcome to Hour 3 of Radio Law Talk. I'm here with Todd Cunin and our producer, Cal Hunter. There are so many topics to talk about. We can never get through them. It just frustrates me because there's some really interesting things we need to talk about. Bill Cosby uh, may be uh, winning his appeal. Uh, you know, his, uh, uh, The appeal court's going to reconsider a bunch of decisions that the lower court uh, made that I've discussed before on our show. If you look up Bill Cosby under, <laughs> excuse me, under our podcast, you'll see the discussions, but I, I think he's going to win his appeal. I'm, I'm just throwing that out. I don't, you know, again, we're not opining as lawyers, but just in general, I think there's some issues there that, whoo, there are some big issues. I could not agree more, and when we talk about it, you'll find out why, uh, but yeah, it just it's like judges forget, right. and, and prosecutors, everybody forgets that what you always have to maintain in the back of your mind, especially as a judge and a prosecutor, you have to protect the integrity of your conviction because if you get it by doing all sorts of weird stuff right. and crafty rulings, it's going to come back. It's all afoul of this weird thing that the judge, the prosecutors, the former prosecutor and the new prosecutor and and a, was it a girlfriend yeah. or something involved and 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 there's it's interesting. We're also going to talk about getting a misdemeanor for leaving your cat outside in Utah. We're going to discuss that, but, and also there's a Gorsuch, you know, you hear all these things going on with the census and the, and the citizenship. That's all you hear about in the Supreme court, but actually a very important Supreme court case came down that will affect a lot of cases down the line about, especially sex offenders, uh, cases that, uh, Todd's going to talk about as a former prosecutor for the DA's office in Tennessee and in uh, California. But this is really interesting. Especially if the fears of the dissent end up materializing. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, so. and, then, and then we're going to have case or no case. Call us at 855-LAW-RADIO or tweet us at Radio Law Talk. If you want to email us, we do answer our emails through the week at info at radiolawtalk.com. But we are so thankful to have all of our wonderful affiliates with us. We have so many new affiliates. I'm just going to throw a couple more out there. We got WGGH 1150 AM and 98.5 FM, Marion, Illinois. Welcome. Uh, K also KACT 1360 AM, Andrews, Texas. Uh, WEZS 1350 AM and 103.5 FM, uh, Laconia, New Hampshire. There, these are some new ones that have joined us recently. Thank you for being part of the Radio Law Talk family. But, uh, Cal, you know, this is going to be the interesting one. You've set this up. Somehow it has something to do with elephants on drugs. Let's roll our case. Now it's case. time to play Case or No Case. Yay! All right. One of the reasons we have a very active animal rights group in the United States and around the world is because of Tusco, T-U-S-K-O, Tusco the elephant. Animal experiments were much more common even a couple of decades ago than they are now. The Annals of Science described thousands of experiments monitoring the effects of drugs from alcohol to tetrahydrocannabinol or animals on animals including monkeys, dolphins, pigeons, and spiders. But the biggest and most controversial animal drug experiment involved a three-ton bull Asian elephant named Tusco, T-U-S-K-O. Dr. Jolly West and his two colleagues wanted to see whether LSD, yet to hit the streets as a recreational drug, would induce a condition, condition called moose, M-U-S-T-H, moose in Tusco. Moose, however you say it, it occurs naturally in all bull elephants. It's a period of heightened testosterone production and high aggression. Tusco was the prize of the Oklahoma City Zoo, and he was injected with 297 milligrams of acid, oh. an enormous dose even for an elephant, and 30 times what a three-ton human would have received. So they really loaded up the poor elephant. After five minutes, Tusco trumpeted, fell over, defecated, began shuddering violently. His pupils dilated. His legs became stiff. He bit his tongue, and his breathing became labored. Twenty minutes later, they put him, gave him an antipsychotic Thorazine, and that probably 
dropped his blood pressure and made heart palpitations. It didn't hurt. Uh, it didn't help, rather. An hour later, West pumped Tusco with a tranquilizer. A few minutes later, he died. Oh. The whole process took an hour and 40 minutes. Two people who lived in Oklahoma at the time decided they had heard enough and decided to seek counsel if they could prevent this sort of thing from happening again and to protect the rights of any future Tuscos. Their names, Ingrid Newkirk and Alex Pacheco. They also, together, had just read the book by ethicist Peter Singer called Animal Liberation. And so I ask you, case or no case, and Mr. Kunin, I believe... It's uh, the chance for you to start first. Okay. Do you know what year it is? Did he say what year it was? Uh, yeah, I'd be glad to tell you the year if you'd like. It was 1964. 1964. Correct. So, wow, they got the elephant hopped up on 30 was it, thirty times the dose that a human would take. Of the same size. Of the same so size. So, like if there was a three-ton human being, they gave the elephant 30 times what a three-ton human being would have gotten. I uh, I met one of those on Tinder yeah. uh, recently. <laughs> Probably. So, um, <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I do play-by-play for a baseball team, and I told the PA announcer, next time somebody swings, next time somebody strikes out on a swing and miss, say, that swing and miss strikeout brought to you by Todd Cunin's Tinder account. <laughs> <laughs> Not going well. Is Not it? going well. So anyway, uh, yeah, is this a case? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. This is a case. Um, if it's not a case, it's probably something based on a true story, and I know I don't get points on it. My point is, I don't think you made this up out of whole cloth. So, but I'm going to say it's a case, and I'm going to say that in 1964, they don't really recognize that these folks have standing to sue or do anything on behalf of the elephant at that point. But it did start a movement that folks were able to capitalize on in the future. So for this one, kind of out of luck there, they, they, they weren't able to prevail and do much, but it did raise awareness and get things going okay. along the lines. By the way, the just so you know, Tusco is, in fact, a very common elephant's name in a zoo. It's kind of like Joe. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to make you aware that name was interesting to me. Fred, what say you? Can Case? I ask, was, it, was, was Freebird being played in the background at any time during this incident? No, but it's too early. Okay, all right, just yeah. checking. <laughs> I, think, I think the only uh, movement it, it caused was a thing called, uh, what was the thing in Nevada they do? Uh, Burning Man? Yeah, Burning Man. Okay. <laughs> And what's the thing they had in the 60s, the big, huge uh, Are you talking concert? Woodstock, you mean? Woodstock. This oh, 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 yeah, oh this is Woodstock. What are you thinking? Woodstock? I'm saying, you're just talking. I, I can't remember names of, of stuff that just baffles me and I want to put behind me. So I don't. But I think that's what it's all about. I think it's all about Woodstock and Burning Man. And that's where it all started. Mm, okay. Therefore, this <laughs> is not a case. It is a true story, but there is no case that came forth. That's it. This is a true. This is a true scenario, but a case never came about because of it. And uh, um, yeah, that's wrong. Wait a minute. <laughs> As he leaves his hand on the chest, he leaves his yes, hand I on the chest thinking, piece. Yeah, I haven't taken my hand off. I haven't taken my hand off. All right, I'm switching. I'm going with Todd. It's a real case. And but the elephant. Uh, people lose because it's 1964 and Woodstock was still going on and fresh in their minds. Can we talk about the elephant in the room? Butting Jing, we haven't used that one the entire <laughs> time. It was too easy. I, I just switched. <laughs> I completely flopped. All right, there we go. That's it. Let's get to the. I, we don't even have time. We don't have 30 seconds. Talk on it. All right, so we're going to find out when we come back about Tusco, whether or not me changing my mind messed things up. So I'm saying it's a case and, and the people lose who bring the. To, the, to protect the future Tuscos. We'll be right back. Resolution of Case or No Case is coming right up right here on your favorite radio station and on radiolawtalk.com. Thank you for turning us on. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. 
Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more, call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-617-9312. That's 800-617-9312. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. The cost of getting rid of garbage is high, and recycling products is lucrative. If you're a business or know of a business that needs an individual compactor or baler, call Northwest Compacting at 888-201-0911. If you already have an industrial compactor, baler, or shredder and need service, don't forget to call Northwest Compacting at 888-201-0911. Northwest Compacting, your full-service industrial compacting and baling company. Read more about them at northwestcompacting.com. Many women have so many clothes in the closet, but then we go to get dressed and find we have nothing to wear. Ah! We've all been there. We all want to be comfortable and fashionable at the same time, and it's difficult to find clothing that makes that task effortless. But at Letty & Company, you can find trendy, comfortable clothing that is affordable, things you'll want to wear every day. Shop with a purpose online with free shipping. Just go to lettyandcompany.com. LettyandCompany.com. If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In, ready to grow with you. I am Cameron Levitt, Chief Operating Officer of Concussion Medical Clinic. California's first concussion medical clinic is now open. As concussions increase each year, there has never been a greater need for concussion specialists. Our physicians at Concussion Medical Clinic are board certified in pediatric neurology and sports medicine and have partnered with universities, hospitals, and rehab clinics to expedite the recovery process. Simply put, we are elevating the standard of care. When you need an expert concussion opinion or concussion care, visit Concussion Medical You're listening to RadioLawTalk.com. And now back to your host, Frederick Penny. Cal, what say ye about Tusco the Elephant? Well, uh, it's an interesting story, isn't it? Uh, I think it is. Drug experiments were quite common back in the 1960s. The CIA was looking for ways to perhaps uh, infiltrate enemies by putting substances in the water and so on. So they were doing all kinds of tests. I just read an article the other day about methamphetamine use by uh, Nazi soldiers during World War II. The Allied troops could never figure out how it is these folks seem to have such boundless energy. And they were all hopped up on meth. Really? And uh, and it just I mean at all and and, and they and they had the side effects that came along with it but yeah when they would when they would raid the bunkers they would find all of the amphetamine packs and all this kind of stuff sticking around and and uh, hmm. 
Those were administered routinely. And the U.S. military eventually allowed pilots they did. to take amphetamines, especially when they were flying in the Gulf War. Yes. So to stay it, awake. Yeah, to, exactly. You know, got these long sorties, as they call them. So let's get down to this. We were talking about Tusco the elephant, who was given a lethal dose of LSD. Was it a case or no case? Was it the founding element for people for the ethical treatment of animals? Those of you who say it was a case, may I see by a show of hands and... Why didn't I stick to my original thing? I knew I... Cal, you should have looked at me and said, stick. Isn't that the old saying? Stick, stick with to your, your gut, guns, yeah. Your gut, yeah, your gut yeah, feel. Yeah, 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 and I yeah. didn't stick to it, Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm a bad influence on you. I said no case. The story is true. Except for the two people who started PETA aren't from Oklahoma. They never were close. She was born in England. He was and raised in India. He was born in Illinois, but spent his youth in Mexico. And that was in 1980. And this case was in the early 60s. But this did have to do with him trying to figure out LSD's toxicity. And they're thinking now when they look back on it that perhaps... It was not the LSD that killed Tusco, but rather the amphetamines that they gave the elephant when he started acting up because they've replicated the LSD experiment on other elephants and the acid didn't kill them. Uh So it's just interesting. And I thought, you know, I can put enough uh, fake facts in there that I might be able to get you. (laughs) And uh, and I did. Winner, winner, Cal. I'm sorry. So that's case or no case on Radio Life Talk. Thanks, Cal. You know what? We're going to talk about next. We've been we've been. We've been playing this, and we've been teasing you on this, about cats in Utah and misdemeanor, a Class B misdemeanor, if your cat is out in front, loose. Now, now, if you guys check our Twitter account, Twitter at Radio Law Talk, we have a Twitter account that, that Todd just posted where cats tend to roam in a city at night. And it's it's weird how you'll see it's got lines as to where they go, and they're like round the house, and then as soon as nighttime – you see the roaming goes far, far away. But there is an actual case in Utah where a lady received a citation for a misdemeanor for her cat being outside her home, basically sitting out on the lawn area. And you are a cat owner. and You have three cats. I have three cats. My cats are all indoor cats. I mean, I'll let them out every once in a while, but they, they... Well, one does, but the other two don't have any real desire to go outside. They stay inside. But this happened in Murray, Utah, which is a subdivision or a lower area just south of Salt Lake City, Utah. And there's a city ordinance there that says that they can't, cats cannot be kept as at-large animals. You're not allowed to leave them out. And, and it was passed in 1963. It's been on the books. Hasn't really been enforced, but... This woman came home. Her cat had been outside. She comes home to find out that a citation had been left for her facing two misdemeanor cat counts for leaving her cat out. One was for leaving the cat out. I think the other one was for not properly licensing it. If your cat is going to be outside, it's got to have a chip or something like that. And that's gained some kind of national attention. But really? It's a misdemeanor to let your cat out? You know what? This is what I'm going to tell you what happened. I always say this. You talk to judges and prosecutors. She ticked someone off some other way to cause this to happen. There ain't no cops pulling up and going, I'm going to give you a citation for your cat. But she did something else wrong. It's not like the police department started there in their briefing for that night. All right. The following are a list of the crimes that are really starting to take off. And they're gateway crimes. It starts off small. The next thing you know, we got human trafficking. We got drug use. We've got uh, possession of illegal firearms and assault weapons, and we've got people leaving their cats out in the front yard. <laughs> we really got to crack down on that there, because if we don't, next thing you know, it's going to be a war zone. Two people questioned their career choices after that. The cop who had to write the ticket <laughs> and the judge who sat in court and said, oh, look at me, Mom. I'm now doing cat cases. Well, <laughs> I, I will say that in a follow-up, the I think the prosecutor's office has said, look, they're going to dismiss the case. They're not going to pursue it against her. But it begs the question, why have the law to begin with? Someone made someone mad that had nothing to do with a cat. And they said, you know what, I'll just give you a citation for this cat thing. You would be shocked in Utah because I had a son live there and I lived there at one time. They have 
they have really low crime, and it's a wonderful place to live. The crime's so low. They're, okay, what what do we do? Let's see. Oh, that's the cat thing. What do we got going on today? No, nah, not much. I got the mom, uh, Grandma Salad here for lunch for everybody. And, yeah. Yeah, let's let's just head on out and get some cats. And it's generally a live or let live live and live kind of a place. It's not many people getting up in each other's grill in no. business. You know, it's just not, doesn't seem to be normal to the, me. The one thing in researching this that did seem to provide some justification for this law is the fact that at one point in time they were concerned about the spread of rabies. And if you let your cat out and the cat goes somewhere they're not familiar with, they come in contact with an animal that has rabies, and then they bring it back into the home then there's an issue there with somebody maybe contracting it. But And according to this diagram, you go to Radio Law Talk's Twitter feed, cats go all over the place. I mean, they when you let them out, they stray for blocks. But Yeah, that's amazing how far they go. Just You see them all around their home area. But yeah. we come back, we're going to talk about the sex offender case. This one is not the big high-profile one with the United States Supreme Court, but this is a very interesting one that needs to be touched upon and needs to be discussed because it's going to affect you in one way or the other. I'm Fred Penny, your host of Radio Law Talk with my co-host, Todd Kunin, and our producer, Gal Hunter. We'll be right back. And I'm reminding you that you can catch every episode of Radio Law Talk on radiolawtalk.com. They're all there, available for download and podcast. We thank you for listening right now, no matter how you're doing it. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-918-1376. 800-918-1376. That's 800-918-1376. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-263-2610. 800-263-2610. That's 800-263-2610. Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse,
warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more. Call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-617-9312. 800-617-9312. That's 800-617-9312. All right, guys, we need to have you read some lines for our disclaimer promo. But first, can anybody tell me what a disclaimer is? Right then. Well, Denise, you go ahead. Read disclaimers? Why, I couldn't. <coughs> the information you hear on Radio Law Talk is general... The preceding promo was for entertainment purposes only. And if you want true legal advice, contact your own lawyer. Just a tip from your friends at Radio Law Talk. Be sure to read our disclaimers on radiolawtalk.com as well. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Radio Law Talk. I like that show. This is Radio Law Talk. And now, back to the show. We're going to talk a little bit about this uh, other Supreme Court case that we discussed off the air. And Todd and I were discussing how this was really not a, a... a well-known case or it kind of played, you know, man, it was just like, I didn't even hear about it until recently. And yet you say this is a very critical case. It, it is. Um, what we're talking about here is a recent Supreme Court case came out just this last week and it deals with, it, it made news because it dealt with a sex offender registration case, but it really deals with sentencing in general. Let me lay the background for you, okay? If you are convicted of a crime, let's just start easily here. General, any crime. Generally speaking, have you ever heard the phrase, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime, right? So generally speaking, we understand that, okay, you commit a crime, you go to jail, all right? And in all crimes out there, they usually have a period of time for which you will go to prison on a, or you can go to prison on a felony. That is the basic statutory framework in federal or state court. And then they start listing the exceptions because not everybody goes to prison. Well, eh, you, you know, you didn't do a lot. You can get probation. Now, probation is you don't go to prison first. You go to the local county probation officer, you're on probation for three years, maybe you do a couple of weeks, a month or whatever in the local jail, but then they supervise you for three years. At the conclusion of the three years, your case is done. Your liability, if you, if you were convicted of something that had a liability for five years, when you finish your probation after three years or whatever it is, that liability goes away. You can't be sentenced to five years because you're off probation. That's probation. Parole is different. Parole, you go to the big house. You're sentenced. And while you're there, they say, hey, you know, you're doing okay. You're there a couple of years on a five-year sentence. We're going to release you on parole. If you screw up while you're on parole, you sent back to prison to fish, fish, finish your sentence. 
And, and maybe something extra, too. Well, no, you finish your sentence. Oh, gotcha. That's the key here. Because if you are sentenced to five years in prison and you get out after two and you violate parole, you can only go back for three more because you just finished the five-year sentence. Of that individual thing uh, that you did. But if you yes. violated parole and did another crime... If you, if you no. did another crime, you could be prosecuted for, for the crime. new crime right. and have additional time, but as a violation of parole only, let's say the prosecution right. says, we're not going to prosecute you for the new crime, we're just going to treat this as a violation of parole, you go back, and the maximum they can put you in for is the maximum what you were sentenced Got on. It. So violation of parole is not a new and separate charge for which time could be added? No, it is not. Interesting. It is you are returned to prison. When, when you get out on parole, it's essentially saying, hey, you know what, you're doing so good, we're going to make you a deal. You don't have to spend the rest of your time sitting in a box for the remainder of your sentence. We'll let you go home, we'll let you do things. But if you mess up, if you can't handle it out there, we're going to put you back in the box. Got it. And you go back in the box for the amount of time that you were originally sentenced for. So let's say you were there for two years, they let you out, you were out for a year. After that, you go back in, you have to serve then three years, you have to serve the rest of the sentence from the time you were let free, correct? Unless they give you some sort of credit for the time that you were out, you know, on home detention. But yes, it doesn't go there. Now, here is the problem in the case that the Supreme Court had. This guy was sentenced on a case that for the underlying offense, possession of child pornography, had a potential sentence the judge could choose anywhere from zero to ten years. And then, in addition, in addition to that, the statutory scheme said that when he was released, he could be released, he was to be released on supervised probation for a period of five years to indefinite. And that if he violated his probate or his parole when he's released, if he violated that after serving his prison sentence, the judge had to sentence him to five years to life. That's the way the statute read. If you violate, you have to be sentenced to five years to life. Now, let's look at that here. You're saying extra. Yes, so let's look at that here. He originally had, I believe, a three-year and two-month sentence that the court imposed. So he said, you got to do three years and two months. He did the three years, two months. When he gets out on a, on a sentence that could have had a potential maximum of 10 years, when he gets out, he violates. And the court then has to sentence him to five years to life for the violation. And that is not getting him a new jury trial. That is made based upon a determination by the hearing officer in the violation of parole parole, using the preponderance of the evidence standard, not reasonable doubt. And the court said, folks, we have a problem with that. Because what you are doing is sentencing him to a term that is longer than he would have gotten on the original sentence, even if you had maxed him out. And that you cannot do without a new trial. And so that was... A jury trial. A new jury trial. That was the problem that the court had with it. Had had they, if it was a 10-year max, had they come back and said... Uh, on a violation of parole, we're going to send you back for up to 10 years within the maximum for the underlying offense. There'd be no problem with it. It's the fact that they exceeded what was the underlying offense. They found that unconstitutional. Well, didn't they find also, isn't it interesting that when it's heard by a judge, it's a lower standard of proof than a typical criminal case? It is. If you get a jury trial, it's proof beyond a reasonable doubt, right? And in these cases here, a violation of parole, violation of probation, the standard is preponderance of the evidence. Now, I want to make a distinction here. A preponderance of the evidence standard is, okay, let's go back to the scenario that Cal talked about, where a guy gets 10 years, he gets out after two, he's placed on parole. He still has three years left to do, but he's going to be on parole. If he violates and they want to send him back to complete his sentence and he demands a hearing on that, there's no problem with that hearing being held and using the preponderance of the evidence standard. And the court did, had still had no problem with that because ultimately the punishment put out by the hearing officer is not going to exceed what he otherwise could have gotten when he was originally sentenced. But if you're going to exceed that, 
the court said, you got to you got to do proof beyond a reasonable doubt with a jury. And that's what was happening here. The court said you cannot using the preponderance standard exceed what he would have gotten from a jury trial. And so a lot of people are upset. The dissent in this case thought this is going to start the ball rolling to undo everything as it relates to uh, violations of probation and parole. The dissent felt like this decision would open the door for folks, for uh, parolees and probationers to be entitled to jury trials on violations of parole or probation, even in instances where it's not exceeding what they could have otherwise been sentenced to. That's not what the majority said, but the but the dissent is concerned that that's where it could go. My personal feeling is I agree with the decision, although I disagree with the first line of the decision. The first line of the decision starts out, says, uh, in essence, a, only a jury can deprive somebody's liberty and only on proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And the problem I have with that is that is not what a jury does. You'll hear this from judges all the time when you go in. Juries don't decide sentences. Juries don't deprive liberty. Juries decide whether or not the facts prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. The sentence that ultimately deprives liberty that the person is subject to is, with the exception of the death penalty, always meted out by the judge. The jury just makes a determination of guilt or innocence. It doesn't really play much in this case, but I just think it's a little dangerous when the first sentence of a Supreme Court opinion in my opinion, doesn't accurately state the law as it relates to that. I mean, it gives the juries the responsibility for imposing sentencing, and they don't. That, so. so that's there. That's even though it sounds like a big, long legal explanation, that's important for individuals who are in there in jail right now. It, that that if they violate, or they come out and they violate their parole, then uh, now they're not going to get. Yeah. In for longer. And, so, and some people are freaking out about this, saying, oh, my gosh, that's going to let sex offenders go free. And post. The, the remedy for this is very simple. The remedy and, and mark my words, this is what the remedy is going to be. They're going to change the sentencing scheme to be instead of it being a period of probation or a, a sentence followed by supervised probation. They're just going to say the underlying sentence on this is five years to life with the possibility for probation. And now you've got everything wrapped up in the original sentence. You can't be sentenced to beyond what you would have otherwise gotten. It's an easy fix. We're going to come back after the break and talk about Bill Cosby's legal uh, team has got some good arguments on his appeal to reconsider some decisions that this judge made that there may be a conflict of interest with the existing judge. I'm telling you, it's a soap opera, ladies and gentlemen, what happened in the Bill Cosby case. Not his actual case, but between the judges and the prosecutors and what happened. So we'll be back. This is Radio Law Talk, and you're listening on RadioLawTalk.com or your favorite radio station. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to RadioLawTalk.com. If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In, ready to grow with you. Not all law firms have extensive experience in all areas of the law. It's wise to look for firms that have knowledge and understanding in your particular area of concern. So go to ProLawFirms.com. They have listings of attorneys in key areas of practice, such as family law, estate planning, personal injury, bankruptcy, and so forth. When you're looking for a lawyer that has extensive experience in your particular area of need, go to ProLawFirms.com. That's ProLawFirms.com. ProLawFirms.com is not a law firm and does not endorse or recommend any specific law firm. 
Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more, call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-617-9312. 800-617-9312. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-918-1376 That's 800-918-1376 Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college, so I'm trying to break that barrier. My daughter Brooklyn was also a motivation for me to go back to school. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. At age 26, Kareem finished his high school diploma. I could not have done it alone. I feel like if I didn't have anyone to push me, I wouldn't gave a bother to do it. I got one milestone down the drain, and now I got to work on the next. I see the future is really bright for me. I feel like it doesn't matter the age, as long as you go back and get it done. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. No one gets a diploma alone. You have more support than you realize. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. So you're telling me there's a chance. Go to the website, radiolawtalk.com. You can listen to the show there, and there's a lot of other good information, too. That's radiolawtalk.com. Radio Law Talk. So that's what Todd tells uh, the girls on Tinder. You know, so you think... So you think there's a chance, and they always say, no, I don't. No, I don't. So Bill Cosby, this is a really interesting case. And we've discussed this on our prior shows quite extensively. So what happens is, the, the first trial, remember there's two trials. The first trial is a hung jury. And so um, Judge O'Neill, there's two, there's two players here you have to remember. There's Judge O'Neill and, um, and Castor. Now, back up before the Cosby deal happens, O'Neill and Castor run against each other as district in the district attorney's office to run for DA and Castor brings up what O'Neill who's now the judge you have to pick this out O'Neill's now the judge of, of Cosby's case Castor brings up some really damning damning things on O'Neill that makes him lose according to you know way it sounds O'Neill he loses the DA's See. And this was years, years before, before. Yeah, this is years before. Okay, this yeah. is all before, way before. This is the history. History, yeah. So what happens is O'Neill then somehow becomes judge. He gets appointed as judge. He becomes a judge. And Castor is no longer a DA and actually loses later on. Actually, they're claiming that he lost because he wouldn't prosecute uh, Bill Cosby, Castor the DA. And then the new DA comes in arguing... I will win this. Vote for me. I will prosecute Bill Cosby. 
So the new DA comes in and wins and starts to prosecute Bill Cosby. Now, here's the kicker. Caster, the DA, when he sounds like Caster, the ghost, Caster, the ghost, he tells Cosby and the district attorney's office says, we will not prosecute her, prosecute you. We will drop the case. And so that kind of lets him, his guard down and a number of things happen without getting in detail, you know, with civil cases coming forth, you know, that, that, that he should have, you know, pled the fifth amendment, pled the fifth and not testified in this, in a, a civil case. But. So that's the history. So you got the history. O'Neill and Castor do not get along. Castor then comes in to Bill Cosby's case. And he is a key witness. Why is he a key witness in this case? He's a witness that raises his arm to the square and said, we, the district attorney's office, have told and advised Cosby and his team we will not be prosecuting this case. The case is dropped. And that's important to know because it's called habeas corpus. If you go back and study your old, uh, you know, law books, basically, you know, they dismiss the charges against him. They already dismissed them. So what happens, the new DA comes in and says, I'm going to press charges. And now O'Neill is the judge, the guy that Castor and he didn't get along with. And O'Neill basically listens to Castor who is on the stand to determine whether or not he's going to let him testify. Don't forget, he's not testifying in the case. This is a motion before the court to the judge to say, I need to testify as the former DA and tell what happened. And first thing that's interesting is Judge O'Neill cross-examines Castor on the stand during this motion. In other words, who cross-examines is supposed to be the DA and the defense lawyers. And the judge listens and makes his opinion. But apparently he, Mr. O'Neill, or Judge O'Neill, is cross-examining the witness too. And basically says, ah, it's not important what you you got to say, and he throws it out. That is what's on appeal. Yes. And that was never disclosed, any of these relationships or possible conflict that was never disclosed to Cosby or his legal team by Judge O'Neill. And in my opinion, shame on you. I, I think it is absolutely apparent that there's animosity between the judge and the witness who proposes to present evidence favorable to Cosby. And as a result of that evidence, or that animosity, Cosby was materially harmed by it. Um, you know, I, the only way I could see it not happening is if a subsequent court said, well, the conflict notwithstanding, I, I think that the uh, evidence still should have come in or the agreement should have not been um, upheld if that was the case. But they got to make that determination. And then this Judge O'Neill also allows a lot of other testimony that, don't forget, the first trial didn't allow in, of prior of people who had claimed, even though they didn't bring any case or he wasn't found guilty of any of this, were able to testify of his of, of what he had done to them supposedly, which is really damning to him. And I know you said, "Well, that's that's the facts." No, under the court of law, you can't just come in and and accuse him of something without a whole new case, so he can defend himself. Well, yes and no. You see, what you're talking about is propensity evidence, right, and right. generally speaking, for example, if it's a drunk driving case, I can't come in and show the jury. Well, you know, I'm prosecuting this guy for drunk driving here five weeks ago, and you know what? He picked up DUIs, uh, five of them in the last six years. So he's a drunk. He drunk then, he probably drunk now. You can't present it right. to say, if he did it then, you did it now. But there are a handful of states when it comes to sex offenses and domestic violence that do allow that. California, for example, under Evidence Code 1108, allows you to bring in prior acts of sexual misconduct to prove a propensity to do it in this instance. They do the same thing for domestic violence cases under Section 1109, but not every state has that. When I went to Tennessee, I talked to them about it. I say, oh, yeah, do you have anything that lets it do that? They looked at me like I was crazy. Tennessee doesn't allow it. Um, and I believe it appears that Pennsylvania does, because they allowed it um, under this 
propensity type evidence, but they may have been overboard by allowing too much of it. Yeah, so, what they did is the original trial, only one witness was allowed. Yes. And the new judge, O'Neill, five witnesses I mean, was allowed. Uh, were allowed. The court weighs stuff. I mean, look, if the prior incidents were too old, then there's a curing period. They don't let it in. So that's why a lot of that stuff wasn't allowed because it was too old in the first case. But in the second case, the judge let even the old stuff come in. And I think they, they found that that was um, inappropriate or they're arguing that it was inappropriate. But but think about, think about you know, okay, now you got to fight all these. Do you, do you have a new case against each? Let's, okay, here's, and again, I'm not jumping. We were just arguing both sides here. So here's all these other women coming forth saying he had sexual contact with them. And so you almost need to try that case to see whether or not that's true or not. The way know? it works with the jury is they have to make a determination about whether or not they believe the evidence presented by the person who comes in to make the statement, he did this and this and this to me. Yeah. So it does end up feeling like a lot of mini trials all in one. But in some instances, they allow it. It, it makes things kind of convoluted. Yeah, don't forget, he... He waived his Fifth Amendment right to self-incrimination is what their argument is because Castor promised, that's the former DA, not to prosecute him. Yeah, that, that led him to do a deposition in California right. where he made statements, and now they want to use that against him. And so and, – and, but, but out of all that, the biggest issue is the judge sitting on – Judge O'Neill sitting there should have said, by the way, you, your key witness, your key witness, Mr. Castor here, he and I have had conflicts in the past – and we run against each other, and there was an issue of what Castor was trying to claim some impropriety by Judge O'Neill. Because I don't think they knew about it at the time it was occurring. They found out about it after the right. fact. Right. That so, was a problem for the judge. He should have disclosed it. Well, anyway, so we're going to hear a lot more about Cosby because this is going to come back. I think he's going to win. Again, we're not. We, we, don't listen to our opinions. Again, like we say, we watch our listen to our disclaimers and read them on RadioLawTalk.com. But I'm telling you, I think the appeal. Uh, I think Cosby might win this appeal. I think he's got a good shot. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to roll into our most important part next to case or no case, and it is called what, Cal? Quick takes. We want to know your quick takes on what we've talked about today, and we'll start with you, Todd. What's your quick take today? Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech, but apparently they can pass a law that allows somebody to file a document, pay a fee, become the owner of a word, phrase, or logo, and then petition the government to keep you from uttering that phrase, logo, or speech. Hmm. What? Go figure. He lost me on that one. Well, account. free speech, and then you I register, it, and then yeah. you can't use their free yeah. claim to free speech. Well, it's uh, it's just a it. beef I've got with trademark. Law. Picking up on that. All right. Okay, I gotta say this: if you ever want to try to fake a crime, take the props off before the cops roll in with their body cams. <laughs> All right, take the prop off. Uh, officer, you got a body cam on there? Okay, take the prop off. Thanks for joining us all three hours. We love our show, Todd and I and Denise and Cal. We will be back in a week to talk more about the latest in the law. Cal may have a nomination of another Emmy by then. Maybe. If not, join us <laughs> next week. I'm your host, Fred Penny. See ya. This has been Radio Law Talk. You have been listening to RadioLawTalk.com, a copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated. (laughs) 